Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Wednesday night. It's March 23rd, and this is the Eye on College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander with me. I got Sam Vecini with me. The Sweet 16 is almost here, considering it's 8.30 p.m. Eastern now. By this time, Thursday night, we will be watching Sweet 16 basketball. We're going to talk about it in just a bit. But first, a couple of issues I wanted to get to. News developments. The major one from the week, at least so far, um, Jamie Dixon has left Pittsburgh to be the next head coach of the Texas Christian University Horn Frogs. They call them TCU for short, Norlander. Do you understand mm. Jamie Dixon's move, or what in the world is Jamie Dixon doing? I get the move. I don't have an issue with it whatsoever. I think it's intriguing. Uh, I love the stat that TCU has not won a tournament game since Dixon was a player there in the 80s. And I was on radio earlier this week. Uh, A couple people asked me about the Dixon move. My guess is this. So the stat you've seen, and as you wrote about GP, was Dixon was at Pittsburgh for 13 seasons. And in those 13 seasons, he made 11 NCAA tournaments. Obviously, there was a lack of overall success in the tournament, and that led to a certain level of staleness and his career maybe needing a rejuvenation. Obviously, TCU is his alma mater. I would say my guess on Dixon is he'll spend just about as much time at TCU. I think he'll be there more than a decade. Um, and I don't think he'll get to the tournament as often because that's a tougher job. Now I know that they've completely revamped their facilities and it is a job with some potential. But I would say, let's say 13 years for Dixon at TCU with seven NCAA tournaments, which would be just tremendous. Um, and I think it's the right move for him. I like I like the hire, honestly. Um, a lot of people from the outside, I feel like if you don't really follow college basketball intensely, that looks like a weird move because it's Pitt, because it's in the ACC, because you always see Pitt in the tournament. And TCU is just like considered the bottom of the barrel afterthought in the Big 12. He's a good enough coach, and that program has enough there where I think he can make it certainly very relevant. It's a very strong uh, coaches league, but GP, let me let me play a devil's advocate to something that I mostly agree with you on, but I feel that there are a few too many exceptions to the rule where I feel I can push you back a little bit. So you wrote the column about how Dixon realized, as most coaches should, that basically after a decade, unless you're a Hall of Fame coach, you really should try and find new ground. I think that's mostly true, but I still think it's very situational in a lot of in a lot of aspects, because um, you've got guys like. Uh, Phil Martelli. Matt Painter. Uh, Phil Martelli would be Phil one. Phil Martelli, Matt Painter, Mark Few, Leonard Hamilton, Mike uh, Bray, who's okay. still in the tournament right, right now, Scott uh, Drew. Well, let me stop you. I think okay. Mark, I think Mark Few is going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, Painter Which, was... Yeah, totally fair. Yeah. Pa- Painter was maybe a year away, like one bad year away from getting, you know, yeah. getting in some trouble. Like, um, Leonard Hamilton... Oh, I, I get that now, but yeah. like, I'm just saying, like, if you wanted to play devil's advocate, those no. are guys like... They've been there well over a decade, and they're not necessarily ne- needing that. I agree most of the time, but I still think it is situational, and Dixon is the perfect example of that. But there are a good, no, I don't know, yeah, no, they're, they're, 10 to 15 guys sure. that have been there well over a decade that I, I still feel like they, their careers don't necessarily need it. I Matt's bet guy, Rick Bird. Rick Bird for sure. The prime Rick candidate. Bird. I bet you this. I bet you every guy you name, if they not few, obviously, but Painter, Hamilton, Whoever else you name, if they had two seasons where it went totally in the tank, and then the third, the, th- the third one didn't look like a good one, they'd be in trouble. I think that's fair. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, but like with Dixon, it wasn't 
Like he was never in trouble. No, it, the pit fans got frustrated. Like, but is but your point though is like even when you have a certain amount of success, basically unless you're going to the Hall of Fame, and I agree with you by the way, few should be headed to the Hall of Fame no matter what. And if for some reason, and I'm going to be in Chicago, if he gets Gonzaga to the Final Four, I'm telling you right now, that's what I'm writing. Like that's what I'm writing that night in Chicago. If they break through that region, finally get to a Final Four, would be an amazing thing. But with Dixon, like your basic point was. Even if you're having success, if you are not like an all-time legend at that school or headed to the Hall of Fame, it's usually beneficial to start looking. I think that's true, um, but I don't think it's necessarily a universal rule. And I know people, college football writers, write about that a lot. I wonder if it, if it translates from one sport to the other. I'm just setting up a, a devil's well, app. Here's what I would say, and Sam, I want to bring you in on this because you're from Pittsburgh. Um, mm-hmm. I, my, I guess my, my, rule, my, my theory isn't that if you don't move, you're going to get fired. Right. Because like, you know, Jimmy Dixon was not about to get fired any more than Mick Cronin's about to get fired any more than Matt Painter's about to get fired. My point is, after a while, I think college coaching really, really breaks down this way. If you want to make it as simple as possible, when you get hired, you're hired typically under one of two scenarios. Either the guy, somebody just got fired from that job. So you're replacing somebody who was just terminated or somebody went on to bigger and better things. So you're replacing somebody who went on, who was doing uh, presumably a good job. So there's um, there's a situation where you're 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 Bruce Pearl and you're replacing Tony Barbie. Okay, so there's that. Or you're Steve Prohm and you're replacing Fred Hoiberg. Okay, so there's that. Okay, so basically, if you're replacing the fired guy, really initially, all you got to do is be better than the fired guy. You know, show hope, get better, win some more games, blah blah blah. That's the first, like that's step one. If you're the Steve Prohm guy replacing somebody who moved on to bigger and better things or, you know, when Josh Pastner replaced John Calipari at Memphis, then you have to not necessarily be better than the previous guy, but you've got to maintain it. You've got to be as good. Okay, so if you don't meet that standard, you're going to get fired in three, four, or five years. That's the way it's basically going to go. If you do meet that standard, everything resets. And then suddenly you're not coaching against your predecessor anymore. You're coaching against yourself. You're coaching against your first five years. So let's say mm-hmm. you replace a fired guy and you do really well. And the fired guy had the job for five years and went to zero NCAA tournaments. You had the job for five years. You go to two NCAA tournaments. People are thrilled. They're like, wow, I forgot how much fun it was to be in the NCAA tournament. This guy is great. But it was a round of 64 loss and a round of 64 loss. And guess what? People don't really care because, like, wow, we're just back in the tournament. Okay, now, next five years. If you just keep doing what you did the previous four, even if that is – uh, better than the the historical norm for that particular program. If you just get bouncing around to sixty four again, it's not good enough. You gotta you gotta start outdoing yourself. And unless you can consistently keep yourself in the top ten, which is hard, or consistently outdo yourself, which at some point becomes, <clears throat> I think, mostly impossible. Um, you're going to end up in a situation where your fans no longer appreciate you. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get fired. It just means you're not going to be appreciative. In other words, Sam, you correct anything that I say that's wrong. You are more familiar with the the fabric of that city than I am, obviously. I've only been there a couple Mm -hmm. of times, spent there a couple nights there. Um, If I would have told Pitt fans on the day Jamie Dixon was hired that, hey, listen, I I can't get too specific, but let me just tell you this. For the next 13 years, this guy's going to be your coach, and he's going to go to 11 NCAA tournaments. You cool? What would they have said? I'd say they were pretty cool with that. 11 tournaments in 13 years? They only went to 15 ever before he got the, before he became the head That's coach. That's insane. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah yep. wow. Okay, so I would say all, they would absolutely be cool with that. Okay, they only went to 15 ever before he got the job. He's been to 11 in 13 years. 
Do you know how many guys have been to 11 of the past 13 NCAA tournaments? Like, you can count them on your hands. You can't, you can't get, you, you know, it's, it's Krzyzewski, it's Roy, it's, it's Calipari, it's self. it's self, it's Izzo, it's Few. It's the best of the best. I mean, I, yep. like, like it's 10 or 15 guys on the planet. Jamie Dixon's one of them. All right. Um, now, and, and, and I think they were perfectly cool for about seven, eight, nine, ten years even. Because they were like happy to go to the tournament, and he'd bounce yeah. to a Sweet Sixteen every yeah. once in a while. But, I would say about ten. Yeah, I would say right. that it was about ten. But then he got to a point where it's not turned into a Final Four. Um, the style of play isn't entertaining necessarily. Um, he's mm-hmm. not a dynamic personality. And not only were the fans like when I reported over the weekend that Jamie Dixon is in is in is considering the TCU job, and basically like his friends thought he was going to take it. Um, the reaction from from Pitt fans wasn't, oh, my God, no, we can't let lose our coach. It was like, good, go. Like, for the most part, I would say better than half. It was – I wouldn't say it was, like, good, go. I would say, like, okay. Okay, fine, go. Fine. Yeah, okay. Here's the other point I would we'll, make. We'll, go, we'll someone else. Uh, the Pittsburgh administration actually lowered the buyout so that he could get out uh, more easily. Mm-hmm. So they didn't try to keep him. If you're trying to keep your coach, you just say, hey, that's the buyout. If you really want to go, go, but that's the buyout. Like, they didn't yep. – mo- in. in if you, according to the way they handled the situation, lowering the buyout, they didn't care either. They didn't care either. Now, no, they didn't. Now, uh, now, I think now, that now, I think that, it was Paul Zeiss at yeah. you know, Post Gazette who like actually reported they yeah. didn't care. Yeah, no, but it's not even like sometimes people are like, you know, I don't really care. Like your girlfriend leaves you, and you're like, I don't really care. I didn't love her anyway. This wasn't that. Like they actually made it easier for him to leave. They made it yeah. financially simpler for him to leave. So that, like, by definition, means they didn't. They weren't trying to keep him. They were trying to to make it possible for him to go. And so I, I guess that to me that underlines my entire theory. Like, not that he was about to get fired. They weren't going to fire him if he didn't get the TCU job. But like, it, even though this guy went through eleven tournaments in thirteen years, which is amazing relative to mm-hmm. Pitt's historical standards, and would have been amazing if you'd have presented it to any Pitt fan 13 years ago even though that's exactly what he did after a while because he did that so often and didn't do more than that enough it just became like whatever we're going nowhere let's change coaches and to me that is a lesson for every coach out there and how about this i can't i'm not going to get specific with the names i can't tell you how many coaches have sent me text messages in the past two hours since that column posted and i i don't i don't actually take this as a compliment because like I like. I'd like to think I write good things all the time, or often at least. But that, but like it was like that's the most honest thing you've ever written. That's the best thing I've read all year. Blah 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 blah. Because they understood. Because it was a, it was basically like a a, a a seminar for them. Like yo, be like pay attention here. This is what happens to guys yeah. who stay too long. And so I, I can I can tell you that it resonated in the coaching profession uh, fairly well. And shout out to Oliver Pinnell, who's the goat, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> My man went 27 years, zero NCAA tournament wins. 27 years because he bounced, bounced, bounced. Never stayed. Five jobs in 27 years. I think it was an average of 5.4 years per place. Never got on the hot seat until at the very end at DePaul. Collected tens of millions of dollars. Shout out to OP. But I really do think there's a lesson there. If you can be Roy Williams, Bill Self, Mike Krzyzewski, you should. That's awesome. But if you're, if you're anything less than that, I don't think it's dumb to start looking around, even if you're successful about every six, seven, eight years. Sam, you tell me. Even if you're like Jamie Dixon or, you know, McCronin. Especially if you're Jamie Dixon or McCronin. That's what I mean. No, and absolutely. I totally agree. Buzz Williams, same thing. That's, that's not the only reason he left Marquette for Virginia Tech, but trust me when I tell you everything I just said, if Buzz were sitting here with us, he'd be nodding his head. Yes. Yep. 
Yep. Yep. No, I, I don't think that anything you've said is wrong. I think that uh, that situation, I don't know Jamie at all. Uh, I will say that uh, I know people in Pittsburgh and they were fine with him leaving and just moving on and going forward into his career elsewhere. And uh, they think that they'll get someone, you know, just as good as Jamie. If they, they don't necessarily uh, have, uh, you know, dreams of getting someone better than Jamie. I right. mean, now that, you know, Sean Miller has said no, like he was always going to shout out to that guy who reported that Sean Miller was in <laughs> Pittsburgh when he was in Tucson. Man, my guy had a rough day, didn't he? Out at KDKA in, in Pittsburgh. What's his name? Rich. What's his name? Rich. Rich. Shout out to Rich. Shout out to Rich at KDKA. Man, shout what? Shout out oh. to Devin Downey. Shout out to Dude. Devin Downey for sure. That was I don't a, know if we can. I don't know if we can put Devin Downey in the same sentence as Rich. That was a rough. <laughs> that was a rough. Uh, what's today? Wednesday. That was a rough Tuesday for my guy Rich at KDKA. Oh, yeah, let, it was. Let me let me let me, uh, let me give him a lesson a little uh, lesson in journalism. Here's the thing: if you really like feel like you got it, like Sean Miller is in negotiations with Pittsburgh, keep it vague. That's the only thing anybody cares about. Sean Miller's about to take the pit job, or he's not. You ain't got to get involved in all this. He's in Pittsburgh and blah blah. Like you don't the 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 more vague you keep it, the 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 less likely you are of screwing it up. If you ever mm -hmm. see my breaking news stories, they are the simplest things in the world. Brad Underwood has, has agreed in principle to be the next head coach at Oklahoma State. Formal announcements expected soon. What is soon? It's soon in 20 minutes. It's soon in, in three days. You know, agreed in principle means that, you know, if something goes wrong, he did agree in principle, but there was no signed contract yet. He, I, and then just mm -hmm. quote his record and get out of it. All anybody cares about is if you, like, you don't need all that, Brad Underwood met with Oklahoma State officials early Monday. Blah 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 blah. I don't get it. I'm not putting myself in any position where I can where I mess up. And my man Rich at KDKA boy, he he had too many details. And the problem, of course, is that they were all wrong. <laughs> and then he doubled down. He said he said that uh, you can believe what you want. Sean Miller was in Pittsburgh on 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 Tuesday. You can believe what you want, Sam. That's what he said. Uh, I'll believe I'll believe the photo that Jeff Goodman posted <laughs> of Sean Miller walking Sean around Miller. in Tucson, like at What's the McHale that Center that with cacti looks, running by around. By the way, that photo is amazing because it almost looks like Sean said, hey, guys, listen, I'm going to walk on this sidewalk. Just get a photo of me walking, if you could. It, it just looks beautifully staged in this most oh, bizarre way. Oh, I hope God did that. I hope it's so funny. What's better? It's not even like a picture of him in his office. Like, it couldn't be any it's better. It's like, randomly walking alone. No, there's a cactus there. Like, like, it, like it was like, it was like screaming Arizona, right? It was like, hey, it's okay, amazing. it's not enough to get a picture oh, of me in my office. So Let's go funny. find a big, giant cactus. <laughs> yeah. I want to take a picture standing near a cactus. Like the whole yeah, thing so is ridiculous. The whole thing is just it's beautiful. Um, looking forward though to who Pitt could hire. I think that you wrote the ten candidate thing yesterday. Um, I think that that was a really uh, obviously everyone should go read it. Uh, I think that this is probably the most, from my feeling at least, like the most open job that we've had in a while. Like they could go so oh, many different listen, directions. I, I'll tell you for sure. I you. When I because the way I do these things, I don't just. I know some people. When they put together a list of candidates, they just like put together like off the top of their head list of candidates. I I sure I, I actually like call agents and like people who would who actually have a hand in handling this type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I and I say, okay, here's what I know. Um, now, what do you know? Like, what makes sense? Who doesn't? Like, honestly, um, 
you know, I, I, from talking to several, com- you know, having several conversations with several different people, I didn't realize Andy Enfield was from Pennsylvania, 140 yeah, miles. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that, right? Um, but, like, somebody says, you know, Enfield makes sense there. He's from there. I'm like, well, Andy Enfield's from Pennsylvania? Yeah, he's, he's from there. Go look it up. Sure enough, he is. I, so, I would be surprised if Enfield was the next pick coach. I would be surprised as well, but I'm just saying, like, he's the type of guy who you could maybe get to pay attention because you never – we've talked about this sure. before. You never know what home means to somebody. Like, home might matter to somebody in a way that – um, that you just, you know, that, that you can't anticipate or you can't understand until you talk to them. So whatever. But my point is, um, when I put together those lists, they're not just off the top of my head. They are after conversations with people. But beyond that, I would tell you like the, the Oklahoma state list, that was easy. You know, um, the Rutgers list, that was easy. The, the pit one by far of all the ones I've done has, is the one that's most wide, as you put it, wide open. Like real, like yeah. who, who is an obvious guy for Pitt? Once you get Sean and Arch out of the way, who's an obvious guy for Pitt? There's not really an obvious guy, right? So like, there's the idea of I think that Kevin Willard came up. Uh, you know, Ralph Willard, I believe he's Ralph Willard's son, right? Ralph Willard, old Pitt coach. Of Kevin course. played there, I right. think. True. Um, I don't know that Kevin has the best relationship there, though. Well, yeah, see, um, all that stuff, right? Yeah, like I. Uh, the AD at Pitt is actually a West Coast guy. Sure. Not like an East Coast guy. Like there are probably guys like on his list might be guys on the West Coast that like aren't even like on the radars of people. Like I threw out the name Russell Turner yesterday because Turner is a guy that, uh, you know, is having success out at UC Irvine that Barnes will probably be relatively familiar with uh, and that has ACC and NBA experience. Like there's actually a decent fit there to me. Um, I can see a lot of different ways for this to go. This is going to be like the first, uh, I feel like truly national search for a head coach that we've had like in a while. Like everyone says we're going to go on a national search for a head coach, but like between, you know, Scott Barnes being a West coast guy and, you know, Pittsburgh kind of having that like blue collar mentality. Uh, you could go like Midwest here and, and try and find a guy like that. Or you could go uh, just East coast where a lot of guys like uh, Danny Hurley would fit with the way that Pittsburgh runs. So I think that this is going to be like a truly national search where it could go in any direction. It wouldn't surprise me. All right. Here's the only thing I'll say about it. Then we'll move on. I would bet you um, $1,000 cash that the next pick coach, I don't care who it is, will not go to 11 tournaments in the next 13 years. In fact, I'll bet you $1,000 cash that Pittsburgh will not, even if they change coaches in the middle, sure. will, not, will not be in 11 of the next 13 NCAA tournaments. My guess is that the, the next guy will not have the type of success the guy that they didn't just mind seeing leave actually had. That would, that sure, would, honestly, like – if Sean Miller took that job, I think Sean is one of the five or ten best coaches in the country. I don't know that he would get pit to eleven and thirteen. Well, that, that's that's it. Like so, like it's fine. Yeah. I'm not I'm not telling anybody's fans how to feel. Feel however you want to feel. I will just be surprised if your next guy has as much success as the guy you just sort of clapped um, on his way out. All right, let's get to the games, and we'll talk about Friday's games on Friday morning's podcast. So let's just focus on Thursday night's games right now. The first one that's going to tip off at 7.10 p.m. Eastern on CBS. That's America's most watched network. That's the network of stars. It's going to be live from the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the Miami Hurricanes, Villanova Wildcats. Three seed, two seed, Nova's a four-point favorite. Norlander, Mm. does Jim Laranega get within one game of another Final Four, or does the Hurricanes' dream season come to an end 
This is, I think this game has the best potential. It, I, I ranked the, the watchability of the eight Sweet 16 games on CBSSports.com. This one I ranked sixth just because I think going in there's not a, a tremendous amount of hype. But I think this actually has the best chance of being the best game start to finish. I think it's going to be fantastic. Obviously, Miami's got great um, athleticism, strength. Uh, it's got veteran play, as does Villanova. Uh, you said Nova was a four-point favorite? That's true, Norlander. Okay. I'm looking at the number that, right a, now. That's a little higher than I would have thought, but I think it's going to be really cool. No matter what happens with this, you either get Larnaga to the Elite Eight a decade after he took Mason there, or you get Villanova, if they win, in my opinion, will pretty much almost eradicate all the trash talk they've gotten the past two years. This is definitely – getting to the Sweet 16 wasn't a prove-it thing enough, in my opinion. People are still going to hate on Nova if Miami wins this game by 10 points and they uh, and they bow out and uh, Oshefu and Archidiakono's college careers come to an end. It's 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 a great game. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I heard Jay Billis say earlier on Wednesday he actually thinks he's most looking forward to this one just because of the matchups. And I, I agree. I think this will be very fun. Uh, Sam, Miami or Villanova, who you taking? Oh, man, that's a really tough one. I am going to go with Miami, I think. Um, when the points are straight up. Yeah, I'm gonna. I, in my bracket, I have it straight up. I have. I'm taking. Um, I'm taking like, the. Hur- I'm taking the hurricanes. I'm like Al Pacino and son of a woman right there, GP. I'm taking. The hur- I'm taking the hurricanes straight up. Okay, I'm taking Nova. By the way, um, are you willing? The to reason I'm taking points? Miami is I think it's. A, I think Miami's a little bit more athletic. Uh, I think that they can break the press reasonably well because they can go both guards with Jaquan Newton and Angel Rodriguez in a lineup together. They can go uh, separately. You know, Sheldon McClellan's a relatively good ball handler. Davon Reed and McClellan can, you know, really bust up that uh, defense with some three-point shooting. So I'm going to go ahead and go with Miami, but I don't feel great about it either. I'm taking Miami straight up. Okay. What's the next one, GP? Texas A&M and Oklahoma is the three seed and the two seed. It's in the West region, 737 p.m. tip. That's on TBS. The Sooners are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Norlander, does Ron Kruger get within one win of the Final Four? Or do the Sooners' dream season come to an end? I got Oklahoma winning and winning with some comfort here. I do too, I, I, Yeah, this one – I'm going to want to watch it because of Buddy and the Buddy factor. And I'll be honest, it would be great for college hoops and Oklahoma's run if he can go for 30-plus again. I think there's a decent shot of that. Actually, there's a decent shot that him and Daniel House start balling out and trading buckets, and that would be really, really fun. But I got Oklahoma relatively comfortably here. do like the fact that uh, this is a revival of a Big 12 rivalry, although all-time Oklahoma holds a 31-10 edge over A&M. Give me Oklahoma comfortably. Sam? Oklahoma, you on that buddy train? Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Oklahoma. I think that this is a really interesting matchup because that will be the matchup. It will be house on heeled because both of these teams play two smaller guards. I mean, Alex Caruso isn't necessarily small. He's I was actually relatively shocked standing next to him how tall he is today. Um, but, you know, they're, they're both guards, him and uh, Anthony Collins. They uh, will be matched up against Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Cousins and Jordan Woodard. So you're going to have Buddy on house. These are two of the guys that, like, 
as far as streakiness goes, you know, Buddy's just awesome. But like, if he really gets on a roll, he really gets on a roll. And it's the same with House. I mean, House is, uh, we saw the gamut of Daniel House in that Northern Iowa game. Like, he's the kind of guy who can get really ridiculously hot and just lead you to a win like he did in the uh, late regulation overtime periods. I think he scored 20 points or he can be the guy that, you know, almost plays you out like he did in the first uh, 30 minutes of that game when I don't think he scored. So, you know, if House has a big game, I think Texas A&M uh, can keep this close and maybe even win. But uh, in the end, I think I am going to go Oklahoma. I trust that team a little bit more. I'll take Oklahoma. Two things confuse me here. One, Daniel House became Daniel L. House just like out of nowhere somehow. I don't even understand it. <laughs> you, have you know, like, do you know that? Like we, we get the pronunciations for TV stuff and it's like, uh, yeah, it's Daniel L. House. I'm like, when did he, when did, I, it's been Daniel House forever. And they're like, no. Yeah, it, well, it's always been spelled weird. It's always I been mean, spelled weird, but it used to be Daniel, and now it's Daniel. So, like, make, so figure that out. Like, just, that's uh, what, actually we're gonna start calling Sam Samuel. Yeah, right. I just it's just it's just confusing. And then uh, secondly, here's the only thing that scares me. If I were a betting man, and I am, um, would be uh, who wouldn't take Oklahoma minus two and a half. I know it's one of those things like, what are we doing? Yeah, you know? like it's one of those where you feel stupid for doing it because you know everybody in the world, like everybody wants to bet on Buddy. Like there isn't like some, there's no, there's nobody out there like yearning for A and M to be in the Elite Eight. Like nobody cares about Texas A and M. It's a nice story, but they, they, it doesn't resonate on any level. But Buddy, everybody loves Buddy. So like, why everybody wants yeah. to bet on bet? Like, the, and that number's begging you to bet on Buddy. That's just going to point out that this is a one point game on Ken Palm. I know, but still that, no, that it, I'm telling you, if you go to one of those websites where it shows you the percentage of bets tomorrow, sure. 80% of the, be like, yeah, I bet 80% of the money is going to be on Oklahoma. That always scares me. It don't scare me enough. Can I get, uh, let me guess. I want to guess the Kansas, Maryland one. Cause that's the next one. Yeah. I'm going to say KU four and a half. It's Kansas. No, four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. I'll say four and a half. It's Kansas minus six and a half. That's a nine forty PM Eastern tip from the yum center. It's the one seed and the five seed in the South region. It's on CBS. That's America's most watched network, Norlander. Kansas, you with them? Um, with Kansas to win, I'll take Maryland to cover. I want to get a little freaky there. Um, you know, this, these are the two teams that Sam believes are the two most talented teams in the field, I think. I could have that wrong. I know he thinks Kansas is the most Definitely talented team. Definitely have that wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, you think Kansas is the most talented team in college basketball. I do. So I, yeah. so I know Not Maryland. That. Um, and, uh, yeah, this one is very interesting. You know, Turgeon obviously, uh, went to Kansas and has huge Kansas ties there. So that's a nice little subplot overall for me. It's about what are you going to do? Mellow Trimble. And this is basically the game where you have to step up in a massive way to give Maryland a chance. I think that he will, but I will take Kansas to win in what I expect to be a very, very good game. Uh, Sam, where are you at on this one? Yeah, I like Kansas. Um, I think that Kansas wins by like seven or so. Uh, I would say that that number is pretty much right. Matt thought it was a little bit high. I got the impression. Uh, I think that number is right about right. Um, Kansas is a much better defensive team. I I trust their consistency a little bit better. Um, I'm going to be interested to see how they match up, uh, how Maryland matches up with Kansas, because I almost feel like you have to put Robert Carter on, you know, Perry Ellis to start. But I can't see that going well for Maryland because I don't think Carter's a very good defender. And you almost think that Jake Lehman is a better matchup for Ellis because he's a little bit more mobile. He's a little bit more athletic. But, you know, who are you going to put on Wayne Selden then? Like, it seems like Kansas's best lineups are kind of 
Uh, you have to put Suleiman on Selden. Well, who do you put on Devontae Graham and Frank Mason then? Do you go big on them? Like, it, it seems like this is the kind of team uh, in uh, in Kansas that is built to give Maryland some matchup problems. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I like uh, I like Kansas here relatively easily. Kansas but, to win. Kansas to win. Maryland to cover. Sam, that's the right answer. I'm going to say Kansas and Kansas. Okay, fine. Whatever. You and me, GP. All right. On the same page. Very quickly, 10.07 yes. p.m. tip, Eastern time. It's your Duke Blue Devils against the Oregon Ducks. It's uh, playing on TBS. It's the four seed and the one seed in the West region. Does Oregon prevail or is it hashtag two pros and a plumley? Oh, goodness. Now, you know that hashtag's going to be trending worldwide come uh, tomorrow night. You're damn right my it guess is, here is my, my guess is Oregon minus three, GP. Correct. Oregon minus got? three. Oregon minus three. Ducks Bada minus bang. Three. How about that? Look at you. I will, t- I will take Oregon to win and to cover. And I think this one is the most unpredictable of the four on Thursday. Uh, very fascinating to see what Ingram does and what Oregon does to stop him. I can't wait to watch Dylan Brooks because I think he should have another really good game. Duke's obviously got such an incredible offense, but so much has been Allen and Ingram and Plumlee uh, doing his thing by basically just setting the world on fire. I think Duke will absolutely need more than that. I'm going to take Oregon, but if you tell me that this could have – I think this has the wildest swing. Like Oregon could just kind of just – really kind of crap the bed. If you tell me Duke wins by 10, I'm not going to be shocked. Tell me Oregon wins by 12, I won't be shocked either. But I think I'm most intrigued by this one of all the Thursday night games. Sam? I agree with Matt on both accounts. I think this is the most intriguing game, and I think it's the game with the highest degree of variability. I'm actually going to go Duke here to win and cover. I picked Oregon and expert picks. Sam, do you know what you're doing? You're taking, I'm picking both sides. You're taking Duke straight up i'm taking duke straight up and the reason i'm doing that is because i don't think that oregon has anyone who can stop marshall plumley uh i don't know how they're i don't know how they're gonna keep the plumley off the rebounds out of two pros and plumley um you know chris boucher isn't gonna be able to match up really well with marshall plumley um jordan bell's way smaller I would say than Plumlee is. So I think they're going to have all sorts of problems matching up with that team and uh, trying to cause them issues. So I am going to go with Duke here straight up. Two pros and a Plumlee. <laughs> Taking Duke too. Two pros and a Plumlee, right? Taking Duke. Two pros and a Plumlee plus Coach K. Seems like we should get maybe a hashtag plus Coach K at the bottom. So it should be a double hashtag. Hashtag two pros and a Plumlee. Uh, uh, paragraph break. Hashtag plus Coach K. Take Duke straight up. All right, listen. If the you, only game we all agree on is that Oklahoma covers. Is that right? Yeah, which means AM's going to win and, and Billy Kennedy's oh on his way to the Final yeah. Four. Like That's exactly what that means. If your bracket is busted, remember you can start fresh with new picks and prizes at CBSSports.com. You should do the, uh, go do that. You get involved in the bracket games. Prizes are available, and if you don't have the CBS Sports app, you're being silly. And if you don't have a Sportsline subscription, I'm not sure how you're going to get rich gambling over the next uh, four days. So um, go do all of those things, and then we will talk to you again on Friday morning. I promise. Till then, take care. Bye-bye.